0: You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer Mallory O'Mara, And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker, actress, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about being a book tourist and interviewing Icelandic crime author Yrsa Datier. But first, what are you reading, Bria?
1: <gasps> I'm reading Faller by Will McIntosh. Um, I, I've read I a couple... Heard of this. So, Will, I call him Will because we now follow each other on Twitter. Nice. Even though I have not yet communicated with him. Isn't that the him. most exciting thing it's ever? Really exciting. An author I really liked did that to me on Twitter the other day and I, I was freaking out. I read a book of his, his that I really liked called Love Minus 80 a few years ago and I just read Burning Midnight and now I read Faller, which is, wait for it, dystopian. I'm so surprised. <laughs> Basically, a, everybody wakes up one day and they can't remember anything and they call it day one. And they don't know what's going on and it is... Real violent and really crazy and also it's not the current world we live in because there's an edge to this world that you can straight up fall off of. And um, what happens is this guy who starts calling himself Faller, he wakes up and he has a parachute and a parachute like a little toy parachute guy in his pocket and he decides that his and anima, a map uh, drawn in blood. And so he decides. This is so cool. Yeah. So he decides he's going to uh, essentially, as like sort of a stunt, he's going to jump off this giant building in in the little area he lives in, and things go awry. And he has his parachute, and he ends up having. I I don't think it's giving much way to say that he kind of falls off of his world, Um, and then it kind of backtracks and goes to his life when he could remember things and to the world previous to this, where he's like a fancy scientist person. Awesome. I actually. Really want to read that. that you amazing. should, and I would check out all of his work. I'm gonna go back and read some more of it. I I think every his writing is really up my alley. What are you reading, Mallory? Uh, I am totally out of the Mallory wheelhouse. I am reading Heroin Complex*
0: by Sarah Coon. Wow, who's coming? Who you when the that you read that recently? And, I did cause, because we have Sarah coming on the podcast soon. I've never read a superhero book before. I've read superhero comics, but I've never read a superhero book, and I love it. Sarah's writing is so funny and so fun, and she's just great. And it's like. It is right now. We're listening to. We're recording this the week of Fourth of July, so it's like kind of a holiday week. And I'm in the middle of a move, so I am very stressed out. <laughs> and it's been a really great bomb for all the stress that I've
1: been. It's feeling. like the per- that's it, a perfect book for like a stressed out time because oh, it's, it's so great. It's not like it's not gonna like stress you out too much, but there are some stressful things that happened. Do you feel weird reading out of your wheelhouse, reading a superhero book? Like- no, I love it. I I, I, it. I I like
0: reading out of my wheelhouse because it expands my brain a little bit, mm-hmm. and as a I, I like doing it as a writer because it like shakes my brain up and gets me thinking different ways of doing things. Awesome so we want to take a quick moment to share some listener feedback Uh, after our book awards episode you guys were amazing you sent us all kinds of books that you love that have won book awards and we got some cool emails about book awards that you guys love and follow and Heather Jackson wrote in to let us know how much she loves the Goodreads yearly awards which me and Bria also really really love they have every big genre represented even historical fiction and horror which are Heather's favorites and it's picked by a community of readers which is really nice and she Says, I don't think I've ever been disappointed with a book I picked up because it was won or nominated for a Goodreads Award, and I think that's a great tip to and a great award to keep your eye on.
1: As she said at the end, keep podcasting. I like, I like that as a sign off. Yes. <laughs> We also heard from someone um, talking about a library, Eric Redden, who I actually know. He wanted to point out to us that there are at least two great websites for listeners for audiobooks for their local libraries that allow you to check out audiobooks online. First is Overdrive, which we've talked about. Overdrive I, yes, I've been using Overdrive. I love it. Highly recommend it. It has um, he says it has a significant audiobook and ebook collection. And the second is Hoopla, which I don't know about. Which yes, is a, new to me. Yeah, yeah, which is also a great place to borrow graphic novels. Hoopla is especially wonderful if you do, because you don't have to put items on hold, which you know is the death of me. Yes, it's, it slowly kills Bria every day. If it's in the collection, you can immediately check it out. Your library does, however, limit how many items you can check out in a month through the site. Um, some... Libraries also carry playaways, which are MP3 players preloaded with a single audiobook, so that that's another good option for people who are new to audiobooks. That's yes. kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I've never heard of this. And Bria, you have a new library app that you've been crazy about, so we're going to take a quick
1: book tech segment to talk about this new app. Okay, it's not going to take me long, but. <laughs> quick quick book, book tech so um, I there's a new app called Libby which is I've seen on the bookish internet it's got a, got a cute lady on the front and it is basically a way to organize the shelves of your library so it has my holds and my shelf and I can read books on it on my phone but it's a really great app just for my iPhone where I can go in and I can see what's on my shelf right now see what is about to be due back which is always something I'm worried about like what book is due back do I need to read it right away I'm going to re-request it because I do a lot of re requesting and putting it back on my hold list if I haven't had time to read it because I check out so many books at a time. Far more than I need. Um so I like Libby a lot. It's very the interface is really great and if people use the library a lot, I think it's a really great way to do it because I I have never used Overdrive on my phone, but I don't. Do they have an app? Yeah. That's, oh, what I, do that's have how an I use app. it. Oh, we'll have to compare these apps. I just really liked the way the way the Libby app looked. You were, when you were showing me Libby, it looks really nice. It's really nice. And then and it was really easy for me to renew a book, which I needed to do the day that I downloaded it. And I just thought it was really a really great way to
0: look at books. Send us your feedback at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. So before we talk about being a reader tourist, we're gonna take a quick break.
1: Following the news is hard and it sucks. How do you know which stories are important? Which sources do you trust in this post-truth world of reactionary journalism? I'm Brett Black. And I'm Travis McElroy. And we host a podcast called Trends Like These. We cover trending news stories. We debunk misleading clickbait headlines. And we always try to throw in a little bit of good news. In our quest for truth. So join us every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever podcasts are found.
0: We're talking about being a book tourist We've already done an episode Where we talked about How to travel as a reader How to bring your books other places How to travel with a bunch of books How to choose what you're going to read When you're going on vacation But this episode We're talking about Where
1: you want to go If you are a reader If you're a bookish person Where are some cool places Yeah, it's summer Maybe you're planning your trip For the summer A summer trip People do that, right? Oh yeah And And if
0: you're like us You like taking bookish vacations A couple of years ago I went to London for my birthday And I spent the whole birthday birthday day. I went to 221 Baker Street. I went to Platform 9 and 3 quarters. I went to a bookstore that was on a barge in the canal, which was amazing. It's a very Mallory birthday. It's a very good Mallory birthday. But how do you find good places to go to be a book tourist? You know, if you're doing research online, just because a country or a city has a high literacy rate doesn't necessarily mean it's going to have good book culture. So you might not know this I didn't know this until we started doing this podcast But the United Nations actually has an initiative Called the City of Literature Program And this is basically When a city qualifies to be a city of literature It agrees to work together With the United Nations and other cities Of literature to uh, Promote literary exchanges and cross-cultural Initiatives and That's develop cool. a lot of Local and national and, and international Literary links It's basically, you. if you're a city of literature You agree to make literature a priority in your city. And there's a bunch of different things you need to qua- to do to qualify. You need to make sure that you have quality, quantity, and diversity of publishing in the city. You have to have, uh, you know, a certain amount of book events and libraries and bookstores and private and public cultural centers, which can promote literacy. There's a bunch of things that you have to do to qualify. But if you're looking for a cool city to go to, that's definitely going to have a lot of bookstores and libraries, and it's going to have a lot of book culture for you to explore. This list is a perfect place to start.
1: Yeah. So a few places on the list. Um, you have Melbourne, Melbourne. That's the way people in Australia say it, right? Melbourne, yeah. Melbourne. You have Iowa City, Iowa. Who would have thought? Yeah, I had no idea. Dublin, Ireland. Um, Edinburgh, uh, Krakow in Poland, uh, Prague. Prague, Barcelona. There's a ton of places on this list, and you can go and look at it on the UNESCO website. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so like we talked about a few weeks ago when you're traveling you do some research ahead of time read an author from there in advance see if there are any cool book landmarks things like that also check out their bookstores and libraries it's a really great way to connect with the book culture around the world you might find something cool to read um, but you also may just go and see a cool building that is old and interesting a lot of libraries are much older than the other buildings around it's just a cool place a cool way to go and do some book tourism you have a tip for international travel though
0: yes so as someone who loves to go to places and experience the book culture, you know, it doesn't matter what city or where you're traveling, books are very heavy, and it's very easy to want to go to the, you know, the local independent bookstores because, you know, they're, they have the local flavor and you want to see what what books are selling in other countries and other cities. But again, those are, they're hard to travel with. So my tip, what I do is I have a bookmark collection and I get bookmarks from libraries or bookstores all over the world. And I keep them there, you know, those things at funeral homes, they're like little metal hand clamps. They no. Keep, they keep their they're not for actual hands. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're like little metal hands and there you, you put the prayer cards in them. I have one of those and I keep my bookmarks in it so it's like I can take a bookmark but it's like a nice way to display all because I have bookmarks from you know from the UK from every from all kinds of cities in America I have
1: friends who whenever they travel they bring me back bookmarks it's like a small by the way I assume that these are something probably really normal that everyone has around their house but you associate them with funeral homes because of who you are and I have no idea what they are but I assume they're like just like a really basic clamp that you would use to like close like a chip bag or something but you're like you know the things to funeral homes
0: <laughs> we're gonna have to we'll do some follow-up i'm gonna have to look this up if like normal people have these too okay. but i you know so grab a bookmark i i Describe. have i i love them and i think it's an easy way to get a souvenir from from book traveling that isn't really really hard to carry around
1: um yeah and we don't went over my thoughts a few weeks weeks ago but another thing i do um when i'm traveling is i like to buy notebooks because i use notebooks non stop i write down tons of stuff my thoughts, journals, to-do lists, and um, I just recently went to Budapest. I bought a little notebook from the House of Terror, so it is a book. Or you could go to a bookstore hey, and know, buy another notebook. Let's be real here. We were just we got Funeral Home Mallory, but Bria's like I got a notebook
0: from the House of Terror.
1: <laughs> it's really true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we sound bright and bubbly,
1: but we the reading glasses ladies are pretty dark. <laughs> okay, so where are a few places that people probably wouldn't think up to go visit if they're going on some sort of bookish?
0: Embar- embarkment. Is that a word? <laughs> when-
1: but we'll go embarking on a bookish tour. Great. Embarking on a bookish tour.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, there's a lot of cities that you think of when you think of, like, literature. You know, London, Paris, New York City, which is, like, the home of publishing in America. But there's a ton of I've places. Heard of it. Of, I've heard of it. Heard of New York. <laughs> heard of New York. We heard of the Statue of
1: Liberty. It's uh, there. It's there.
0: <laughs> there's a, a ton. And, and if you do some research, like we're talking about, you can find some amazing places that are very, very bookish, more bookish than New York City. And you've never heard of them. Uh, one place that I am—I've never been, but I'm dying to go. It's a place called Hay-on-Wye in Wales, and it is the National Book Town of Wales. It's like a bibliophile destination. They have this it's this tiny little town, and
1: they have 24 bookstores there, all different kinds: <laughs> new bookstores, used bookstores, uh, rare bookstores. Wow! If you like—if you lived there, then the likelihood of you working at a bookstore would be pretty high. Yeah. Oh You'd be God. like, "Where do you, do you work at the bookstore?" Like, yeah, people would probably <laughs> like say books? yes. Every,
0: there's just book people. I just imagine like everyone who lives there is amazing. They have a big fit literary festival there every year and Bill Clinton called
1: it Woodstock of the Mind which is cool as fuck <laughs> there's also Buenos Aires which is in Argentina um, it has more bookshops per person than anywhere else in the world which is including amazing. over a hundred rare and used bookstores in one city
0: guys that, in one city that is so crazy they have one of the most beautiful bookstores in the world, El Ateno, and it used to be a theater, and so it still has all those like beautiful ceiling frescoes and statues, and it's just like one of it's so, so gorgeous.
1: And a ton of writers have lived there, including Jorge Luis Borges, which is one of the, probably one of the most important writers ever.
0: A place that I have been to, which is why I included it in this list, is a town uh, called Belfast in Maine. Uh, It is a teeny, 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 tiny little town in Maine, and it has this huge 10-day book festival every year. And in the town square, which is like the size of Bria's house,
1: (laughs) but it has four independent bookstores there. That is crazy.
0: It is so cool. It's a place that doesn't even have a Starbucks. Is this the place you
1: told me that that one of them is a nautical bookstore? Yeah, that's amazing. That's real specific, but obviously... They are in Maine. True. You know, so people are interested in boats in people Maine. People have to be interested people in boats. People in it's, Maine love boats. They that's love all I boats. know about
0: Maine. That's true. They love boats. As a New Englander, we love our boats over there. And hey, I have boats and Stephen King. Stephen King, that's all we care about. <laughs> and <laughs> coffee. It's coffee from Dunks. We, uh, I bought a collection of haunted boat stories at this-
1: <laughs>
0: At the nautical <laughs> bookstore?
1: I totally or at the did. different. At the Wait, what are stores? the other three?
0: Uh, so there's one that's all new, one that's used one that is all old uh, nonfiction books. It's called Old Profes- Professor's Bookstore. Uh, or Old Professor's Bookshop. And then the Nautical Bookstore.
1: Old Professor's Bookstore? Like an yeah. old professor owned yeah. all these books?
0: That's exactly what you walk in and you're like, yeah, this is what an old professor would be. Yeah, that's amazing. But my point with, with talking about Belfast, Maine, is that so, there are so many cool, super bookish places all over the world that aren't big and famous like London or Paris that are totally worth going to and are a little more accessible and a little bit cheaper, but are just as Fun and super cool to go to, including uh, Iceland. I'm now obsessed with Iceland. As Bria will miss too. Iceland publishes more books per capita than any other country in the world. And the bulk of all these book sales happen during something called the Christmas book flood, which is a mass book buying that leads up to the two months before Christmas. And it begins with the release of this catalog that's all filled with new publications from the Iceland Publishers Association that's distributed free to every home there. And it's like the firing of guns at the opening of a race, which is like (laughs) the coolest thing I've ever heard of. And the reason for this tradition is that everybody gets a book for Christmas as a present. It's like a tr- it's a tradition that started back in World War II where there were really strict limitations on exports and imports and paper was super cheap compared to other things. So books became a really popular present and it stays there to this day. And so, like, there's just like, that's why it's called the Icelandic Christmas Book Club because everyone's buying books. It's their tradition to like, everyone gets a book, they open it on Christmas Eve and read it. I can't think of anything cooler. I'm going there for Christmas with my boyfriend. I'm Shanghaiing him and going to, <laughs> to
1: Iceland. It's all I want. I'm super excited about it. <laughs> and it sounds amazing. And I, it's it's supposed to be a beautiful country, too. Also, they have that thing where you can, it sounds like I work for Icelandic Airlines. I don't, but you, if you want to stop and do a labor there, it doesn't cost extra if you're flying somewhere else. Yes. They're just, so it's the world is begging for me to go. And, People want, you to go to iceland particularly icelandic board of tourism <laughs> and i'm there i'm bought at i'm bought
0: it hook line and sinker i am so excited about iceland
1: um a couple other places so the national steinbeck center like there's a lot of places just specifically for authors um this happens to be one this is in salinas california i, I had no idea this existed. i didn't know it either i kind of just was looking at book museums <laughs> um but it's got a lot of steinbeck memorabilia from manuscripts to letters to objects all, all sorts of things. And apparently it's pretty mind-blowing. The rooms try to follow the progression of the books. Um, and so you kind of like go through his entire catalog from start to finish. Um, and I'm sure there's other places, too. If people have specific museums for authors they're interested in, that's a cool way to go travel. and, oh, and a, absolutely. A cool thing to go drag your friends to. Um, the other place I want to talk about is the Harry Ransom Center, which is in Austin, and it's at my old university, University of Texas, Hook'em Horns. Um, it has a Gutenberg Bible. It has a manuscript of Canterbury Tales. That's amazing. It also has a ton of other manuscripts. They aren't all on display. You have to call some of them. You have to go into this special room and put on like fancy gloves when you touch certain like old books. But you can get anything you want and look at look at all of them, from um, everything from O. Henry to Catherine Mansfield to Robert Louis Stevenson. Am I saying his name right? Mm-hmm. Um, So all sorts of people have uh, put their collections here and you can go and look at them. Also, there's a ton of great art in that museum. But I believe it's just free to the public and anyone can go into the Harry Ransom Center.
0: So there's all kinds of amazing places to be a book tourist all around the world, in every country, in every city. Just do a little research. Check it out. You'd be really surprised at the amazing places that you can find, whether it's a museum or a library or a bookstore. Uh, we want to hear your book tourist tips and stories. You can send them to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And we actually get to talk to an Icelandic author, Irsa Sigurðardóttir. But first, we're going to take a quick break. mugs, shirts, stickers, patches, tanks, and more are yours for the purchasing at MaxFunStore.com. Hey, you already love the podcasts, so why not take this to the next level and outfit your home and bod with
2: our merch? MaxFunStore.com, because if you have to wear a shirt, it should be one of ours.
0: And here we are with Irsa Sigurðardóttir, Icelandic crime and horror author. Hi, Irsa. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. So we know that Iceland has a very strong reader culture. And you, we were wondering if growing up in that sort of very reader-friendly culture has affected you as a writer.
2: Definitely. Definitely. Uh, my uh, sort of entry into writing uh, didn't come from taking creative writing classes or, or anything to do with literature. My, my background is I'm an engineer. Oh, wow. Civil engineer, so, but my love of reading, which is installed to, you know, me as a kid, like most people here, uh, is was sort of my introduction into writing because I loved reading.
0: Oh, that's wonderful! So, what is your personal experience with the Icelandic reader culture? I'm assuming you're also a big reader. What do you, you know, do you participate in that culture a lot?
2: Yeah, I do. The, the, it's the Icelandic reading uh, and publishing world. It, uh, it's it's quite dominated, like the Icelandic, by the Icelandic authors by the Christmas book market. So, so all novels that come out in uh, hardcover by Icelandic authors, will come out in October, November for Christmas. Wow. Uh, Yeah, and it's called The Christmas Book Flood. And uh, so so you you get Christmas presents that are books, and, and like a Christmas where you don't get any books, it's like a total flop. <laughs> oh,
0: no. Yeah. I, mean, I feel the same way, but that's just because I love to <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah.
2: And, and then, you know, after Christmas, people are like exchanging views on books and what did you get and so on. And it, it's a nice, I think it's a really nice concept. And, and you know, the winters are dark. And so we, we, you know, traditionally we tend to associate reading very much with winter. But now it's coming more into its own also in the summer with paperbacks coming out and so on.
1: Yeah, we love that. We love the idea of of getting a, a Christmas is a bad idea, bad a bad holiday unless you get
2: a book. That sounds amazing. Yeah, total
0: flop. So, <laughs> do you have any favorite libraries or stores over there?
2: Well, yeah, the, I mean, every town has a library here. I guess pretty much the same same as in the states. I guess, uh, but I I usually buy my books I, I used to go to the library as a kid a lot but uh, but these days because the thing is the libraries have very much Icelandic books and since I started writing in Icelandic I tend to avoid reading like the Icelandic crime writers I write crime and horror because I find it a little bit uncomfortable for some reason so I'm reading in English mostly and and they don't have very much in English at the libraries so so I buy my books
0: ah, so what are you reading right now
2: at the moment, I, I'm, a, I'm a, on a panel of judges for the New Zealand Crime Fiction Award, so at the moment, I'm sort of going through the 10 long-listed books.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's fun. So you, you are a crime writer, you're also a horror writer. Do you like to read a lot of horror?
2: I do, but, but the problem with horror is there's not that much good horror out there.
0: Mm. No, we, we agree with that. We, mm. we, it's, a, it's very hard to find horror horror, um, horror writers and horror books. I imagine it must be extra scary to read horror writers in the long winters of Iceland.
2: Oh, definitely. And we have a long standing relationship with like ghosts and, and that kind of stuff. So, so it fits quite well into Icelandic culture.
1: For people who aren't from Iceland or are not familiar with Icelandic authors, is there are there people you could recommend for them? Because you have such a a, a strong reader culture there. We are just interested in, in what are some good gateway authors for if someone wants to pick up an Icelandic author.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, if you like crime or reading crime novels, th- there would be myself and Arnaldur Intralson and Ragnar Jónason. Um, mm-hmm. Then we have, uh, f- for more like sort of fine literature, there's shown. And one of my favorites is Either Ava, but I'm not sure that she's out in the States. The problem with getting translated to English is that you're such a big language and you have so many writers as a result that you don't have very much in translation. Hmm. No, oh, interesting. Yeah.
1: I didn't think about
2: that. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, here we have a very small language and we, you know... We have a lot of writers per capita, but but uh, but we translate more and, and generally the smaller the language the more you will have in translation. Gotcha.
0: So what book do you have, do you have a particular book that you like to give as a gift to to people during the book flood?
2: Well, I, I usually give my my dad a book by Ragnar Yonason. Uh I gave my mother, for example, the book by Odrava that just came out this Christmas. Uh I like I tend to like a lot of the fee, the like in the final literature, I, I think we have some really, really good female writers, which is very nice.
0: That's great.
2: Yeah, and they they just have some, yeah, they 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 seem to have it pat down somehow.
0: Now, can you tell us about some of your reading habits? Do you? I, I know you guys have these very very long winters. Do you just sort of hunker down with a book in the dark, or what do you? How do you like to read?
2: Yeah, I like to read lying down.
0: <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. or sitting on a pl- or like on a plane when I can't lie down because I'm, I'm not in any like super class I'm just in the back uh, you know I then I, I can read on a plane sitting up but usually I like to like lie on a sofa or, or even in bed so yeah and then it's
0: laying down readers <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> and for the longest time me my husband didn't have a tv oh so, there you go. yeah and that freed up so much space for writing and reading and but now we have a new TV, so so it's, it's hard to, to uh, so we have to sort of you know okay let's not go overboard in watching this thing you know we were without it for so many years that but I, I do prefer reading to watching I must say. So
0: your novel, I Remember You, is one of my favorite horror novels. It really really scared me. Do you have a horror novel that you that was one of your favorites that you think is very very frightening?
2: Yeah, I I, I liked uh, Dark Matter by uh, Michelle Paver or Paver. I'm not sure how to pronounce yeah. it.
0: Oh, well, I'm gonna have to pick that up because I'm. It's hard to find books that are very very scary, and the ones that do actually scare me stay with me very for a very very long yeah. time. So I'm gonna have to check yeah. that out. So for for our listeners, do you have any new projects that you'd like to promote? You said that you had a um a movie movie adaptation of a book of yours coming out in the states. Can you tell us more about that?
2: Yeah, uh, the my horror novel. I remember you. uh, That one has been made into a film here in Iceland, and it's just I think it's still in the theater actually. And I think like we have a country of what three hundred thirty thousand people. I think like forty to fifty thousand people have seen it already. So it's been a like a very good success. Yeah, that's really really good. Yeah, yeah, and it's really good. I mean, really good. The actors are good, and everything is just. I I very much liked like this film and uh and i think it should i mean there has been a distribution deal made with the states but i don't think it's like it'll be in an Odeon cinema or anything because it'll be had to be subtitled but it'll it'll make its way to some artsy theaters maybe yeah definitely yeah and maybe who knows maybe there'll be a uh like a remake but i'm not sure
0: yeah Oh, we're we're definitely going to check that out because that's very much in our wheelhouse, and we're lucky lucky enough to live in Los Angeles, where this if any movie's going to play anywhere, it's going to play here. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on and joining us. This we're, we uh, the whole this whole episode is about reading all like reader cultures all around the world, and we are both very fascinated by the love of books that Icelanders have and we're so excited to be able to talk to you as both a writer and a reader.
1: Yeah and if people want to find you if they want to find you on the internet anywhere if they want to look up your stuff where should they look?
2: So I have a like a Facebook page where you know stuff is put on about me and my books and then uh, and then I'm on Twitter. I'm really good on Twitter. That's good. Yeah and um, and then uh, what else? Yeah and then of course my books are for sale on Amazon and And it should be in bookshops in the States.
0: Thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you
2: for having me.
1: Now we're going to solve a reader problem from one of our listeners. Stephanie Francis wrote in and said, Loving the new show. I have a question for you. What do you do when you're afraid to get to the end? That sounds crazy, right? Okay, here's what I mean. At the prompting of a friend, I read the first book of Outlander and loved it. Read it in a weekend, kind of loved it. I picked up the second book, and the first few chapters just devastated me, like crying and screaming and throwing the book across the room in heartbreak. I tried to push through it because there's several more books, and my friend assures me it's worth it. But from where I'm at, I just can't see how the problem is going to be fixed that's in quotes i just can't bring myself to move forward it's been over a year even though i want to know what happens i'm contemplating looking up spoilers to see what happens so i can deal and just move through the book i do this with scary movies i can't watch them unless i know who's going to die and how but i know if i look up what happens the impact of the story will not stay with me like it would have if i had just discovered it by reading any tips on how to suck it up deal with a book that just hurts because you love them so much Oh, Mallory, what do you think? My, so my tip for this, and like as a
0: super emotional reader, like I will cry. <laughs> well, how do you define that? Because <laughs> uh, books make me cry on the regular. Uh, okay, okay. I cry over books. Wi- I cry over two things: stuff with happen that happens with books and animal stuff.
1: Oh yeah, that's uh-huh. my
0: Achilles heel. Okay, okay. I Got two of them, and and I I have actually experienced this problem and solved it. So one good example: when I read the Game of Thrones series. As if you're a Game of Thrones fan, you know there's a lot of death. A lot of death. A lot of crime. I haven't read it. I only watched the TV show. My copies of Game of Thrones are very covered in squishy pages that have been covered in tears, especially at the end of Dance of Dragons. Everyone knows. Very sad thing. But what I did, and it was very hard to read those books because every time you're reading a chapter you're like, something bad is going to happen. So what I did is I read them with a friend. I have a friend, Charles Meyer, who has been my friend for like A really, really, really long time. But he lives in Ohio. So, what, like a friend activity that we would do together? uh, Because we can't hang out because he lives in, you know. Uh, many many states away, uh, we would read that we would like pick uh, a, a number of chapters each week to read, or pick a spot in the book, and we would read it together. So I was very comforted by the fact that even though I knew something bad was going to happen, or I was nervous, he would be there to to commiserate with me. So. You're like not alone
1: in the in the sadness of it yes, all, and
0: that makes it easier to deal with. And if you don't know anybody in person who is reading the same book, reach out online. That's what the bookish communities for. You know, we have reading our reading glasses facebook group we have a good reads group now Re- be like hey i want to read this book but i'm nervous will someone read it with me you'd you be really
1: surprised somebody will probably do it with you and it makes it a lot easier bria do you have a tip for her well i was gonna say uh, a friend just told me a name a name for this which is uh, it's a book that's like so when you have a book that's so hard but you, you it's so hard to read but you don't want to put it down and you don't really know what to do but someone tell me you call that devastation porn <laughs> Wow, <laughs> which I think is a really good name. I'm brutal. Um. Well, you know, I have big opinions about spoilers, which you is do. that we have opposite opinions about. spoilers. I do not care about spoilers. Brie I is. don't care when people like, is a fierce woman. She I don't. Care. I don't care. I, they don't ruin things for me. I I literally don't care. And sometimes I want them. Like for example, my friend Cassandra has gotten to where she calls me and lets me know if there's a dog death in a movie or in something because she knows I will not watch it. I will not enjoy it. It's it's That's a why li- I told you not to watch. It comes at night. Yeah. Yeah. You know what she's ha- she. T- texted me and told me the same thing actually um, so I mean look you don't want to know the end of the sixth sense you don't want to know these giant spoilers but if it makes you feel better knowing that certain people are going to live or die or this book is going to end a certain way or this problem is going to be fixed I said go for it okay. it doesn't ruin the experience for me because part of embracing and reading and consuming art for me is the experience itself it's the being present for the artistic choices and the words and the images and the thing that and that the director or author or artist is making so like even if i go to a museum and i already know what artwork is going to be there i still feel can feel moved by that artwork you know that's like, a great point you know i know what the i was going to say the mona lisa but i wasn't didn't feel particularly moved by that <laughs> I love that idea of you sitting in front of the Mona Lisa, going, "Man, who cares? Take it or leave it." (laughs) it (laughs) But why don't you replace it with?
0: Everyone's like taking pictures, and Bria's
1: like looking, like on Twitter, (laughs) like looking
0: on her phone. Uh, Bria's reading in front of the Mona Lisa.
1: I'm just saying, we like you know a lot of what your artist, your favorite artist's art looks like. You go to a museum, you're no less moved by it. So, or you know what your favorite album sounds like, and you're no less moved by that. Every if you like really love it, it still has an emotional resonance with you. So it doesn't bother me. I know I'm in the very small minority. No, I mean this makes this. sense. I mean, there's it, it nothing makes more a lot of to sense. make internet the internet matter than a spoiler. <laughs>
0: well, you know what? Also, to be fair, I feel like
1: if you were on the internet, spoiling things every day.
0: No, I mean. You should just expect spoilers to be there.
1: They are. I mean, yeah. And I don't have a... Look, I mean, sometimes you will be like, tell me the end of the movie. And I'll be like, did you just tell me the end of the movie? And I'm like, I'll still go see it. I don't really
0: care that much. Yeah. Yeah, But people, I tweet out a lot of Twin Peaks spoilers. And people are like, oh, I haven't watched it yet. Well, get the fuck up. This is my Twitter, bitch. Like, get (laughs) off.
1: I want to talk about Twin Peaks. I just want to
0: say to Stephanie, embrace the spoilers. Uh, So you can tweet us your bookish problems at Podcast on Twitter. And email them to us at readingclassespodcast at gmail.com. Now, we're going to leave you with this episode's book connection, a way to connect with other readers online with the use of this week's hashtag. And this week it's hashtag reading around the world. You can Instagram a photo of you at a bookish place that you travel to. You can tweet us your favorite non-local bookstore that you visited and loved. We want to hear about your bookish travels and we want to see the pictures from those vacations.
1: Hey, if you like the show, please rate it and review it on iTunes. It's really great for us. Maximum Fun really likes it, and it helps us to reach more readers. And it makes us really happy.
0: (laughs) Honest to God, if you want to make me and Bria's day, just... Please like review or rate us on iTunes. I'm Mallory really keeps like, up with it. She goes and looks I, and sees. I look at it. Makes how many? How I don't do this, but Mallory lets me know. Uh, I it, it really makes my day. Uh, listeners can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast podcast or on Instagram readingglassespodcast. You can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglasses. Thanks for listening and, and thanks, thanks for reading. reading.